Before we get started with this episode of the Artists and Emotions podcast, I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning that this episode contains material such as strong language, depression, talking about the loneliness and struggle of being inside of the entertainment industry and pursuing this as a career, and the loneliness that comes with that. If these are things that you're not comfortable with or that you feel will trigger you, I do not recommend listening to this episode of the podcast. But without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Artists and Emotions podcast. My name is Cody Alexander Curtis. And to be perfectly honest, I could not be more excited than I am right now for the guest we are going to have today. This is Lexi Gordon. She is a director, a producer, a writer, and a lot more. Now, to be perfectly honest, Lexi and I, we've known each other for what? It feels like two and a half years now. We started talking when uh, when a little thing called COVID-19 hit the mainstream and started populating the world. And uh, we just haven't really stopped talking fence since. And I honestly, I, I couldn't be more grateful because if there's one thing you all should know about Lexi is... I don't think I know of another person who is as driven as she is, but that's enough of me. I'm going to pass it over to you. How are you doing, Lexi? See, I feel like actors always have really good speaking voices. Like, I can't talk that. And you've got a microphone set up. Stop. (laughs) I was like, don't pass it to me. You run the whole podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you for the intro. That's really good. Um. Yeah, no, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing very well. A little tired, obviously, because what I was what I was telling Lexi before before uh, we started recording this is that I've had other interviews today, and I've got one after I get done with Lexi's episode today. So it's a uh, it's it, it's been a little bit, but once again, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, the fact of the matter is, we've been talking about our journeys in the creative space to each other for basically the entire time we've known each other. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we connected from a Facebook group. It was crowdfunding. It was a crowdfunding page, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe I it, was it was because it was, uh, it was, I believe the first like major push you did for, for a short film. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was my first proper short film and I was promoting it and you were just so supportive. You just like jumped on message. Then we did weekly calls where we kind of read each other's script and and then that kind of fizzled. Um, yeah. It got busy in COVID, <laughs> um, which is so stupid to say, but you and I don't stop. <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird. We're in the creative space and we're driven and we just don't ever breathe. That's not weird at all. But... <laughs> Also, I mean, I the beginning of this is just going to be a whole lot of praise because the fact oh. of the matter is, is that everything I have seen from you, Lexi, is it's crazy. First of all, being driven is one thing. Being driven and creating the quality of not only in terms of visual appeal of, of your filmmaking style, but in terms of the scripts that you write and how how you push to get these things made it's all very impressive thank you that's really sweet that's yeah it's interesting because i feel like we're always really self-critical like that's a part of our floor as artists <laughs> so it's interesting because i like i'm sure you do it too i'd actually be interested to hear but we go through phases of looking at our art so much that when you revisit it you just can't help but think that it's never going to be good enough 
And like you start criticizing your own style, but you can't be anything but your own style. Like you can't forge another style. Like it's not natural. So yeah, it's interesting because I look at it and I'm like, oh God, like it's not good enough. So it's interesting when someone's like, I like your style. I'm like, do you? That's like what I'm self-conscious about. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's interesting because that's our industry, right? We're so self-critical. We're our worst critics. It's harsh. <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. And it's funny you actually bring that up. Um, I think there's maybe one project that i've done that i can actually look at and watch and be like okay this is decent but then everything else is is, it's too hard like it is so difficult to go back and watch your old stuff well as an actor that would be hard because like i mean listening to myself on voice messages i try to get familiar with that so i don't cringe with my own voice but i don't know how you do watching yourself (laughs) i don't think i could do it not acting I, i can do it like this like I can watch myself back talking. I'll cringe, but I can manage. But I, I don't know how you guys do it. I just and then putting your trust of your performance over the millions of takes you do into the hands of someone else that might not present you as well as you would have. It's just bizarre. So good on you. That <laughs> could never have done it myself. I mean, that, my dear, is just called lots of practice and lots and lots of faking it until you actually like what you say. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, okay, now that I've got you here, let's let's talk about you, like where you got your start, how you, I mean, let's just start there. Like, what's your story? How did you get started in all this? <gasps> how far back are we going? <laughs> I mean, I guess... Let's start back from when you were just a year old. No. Okay. Look, I'll go through the main beats because I'm sure there's so much I don't remember. Yeah, but, of um, course. Yeah, I'll skim it. I'll give you the brief. That's good. <laughs> so when I was, um, well, look, I didn't know this at the time, but when I was young, I loved storytelling, which I did know. I used to write a lot of short like books and like illustrate because I loved art. Like I thought that's where I'd be. So I used to illustrate for the books. And then I started creating like animation online. Then I became obsessed with pivot stop motion. Do you remember that? Yeah. The whole phase of that. Damn. That's a, that is a deep cut right there. But yeah. I, it is. Yeah. Everyone loved it. So I loved pivot. Um, and then, yeah, I just got obsessed with animation and storytelling. And then I obviously moved into music and then became a lot more music oriented. And then I remember wanting to get into animation. That was first it was never normal live action films it's so weird I think I watched um I think the two films that really got me started in a weird way was King Kong which I never properly watched I was so little and my older sister was with her friends and I thought they were so cool and I was sitting up there like a little six seven year old and they were like don't come down but they had fairy floss and I was like of course I'm going down for fairy floss. like don't come down it's really scary and I shot myself and I had nightmares for like years but it was just <laughs> so interesting to me that like they like it was so grand like at that point we had like a big um almost movie projector on our house at that time and I was just like whoa this is insane but then kind of dismissed it and was like no I'm scared <laughs> and then um I watched it's so stupid Madagascar the Afro Circus one okay and the visual sequence of the end when everything was glowing I'm like I need to be in animation and then I did all this research I'm like this is too hard and too expensive. Like I should have done this when I was eight. I shouldn't be doing this when I'm 13. So I was like, nah, scrap it. I'm going to go into music, went into music and then um, eventually like started creating an app, like a music app, like when Spotify was kind of newish and SoundCloud was on its way out. I kind of tried to find a happy medium that I could 
create a platform for artists not as big that would bridge the gap and then Spotify or Apple would pin them against each other because Apple launched that year and they'd buy it and whatever. It was a whole thing. So I flew to Israel after graduating school. No way. To do, yeah, it was really cool. Um, and I worked for a tech startup there where we worked in like tech consulting um, and video editing, but I went there specifically to try and get financing for the app and lined up stumbling into film editing and then became obsessed came back to Sydney. I'm like, no, I'm going to edit. And then went to film school and then was like, no, I want to direct and write. So it kind of came circle. And then when I finally did that, I found out from my mom that she actually wanted to direct like years ago and she just couldn't, her family wasn't financially able to provide her that risk and opportunity. So yeah, I'm really fortunate, but it's very full circle. And my dad loves films, to be fair. I've been watching like amazing film since i was little from him so that's that's the story brief <laughs> <laughs> that is great i will say it is very interesting how when you were younger looking at animation sort of your passion for that you're like hey i don't want to get into this because it seems too difficult and it seems <laughs> too expensive yeah but now you're in a place where you're in an industry oh. that is also very difficult and incredibly expensive to be in. Well, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I... it's not like you're buying programs. Like no. In animation, you're buying programs. Um, yeah, which is probably cheaper in the end. I you mean, you're not wrong. When we all get started, we're passionate. We don't know how much it costs because... Let's face it, something that you and I have realized, it, it, the fact of the matter is you go into this industry, you have to you have to become an entrepreneur if you're going to make it through. You've got to become your own business owner, your own CEO, your own marketing mm -hmm. firm, you're, until you get a bigger team of people to surround yourself with. Like it yeah. is a, to say this industry is difficult is probably the lightest way of putting it, but it is completely worth it, at least for you and me. Yeah. And, it's okay now i i think we should dive deeper into some of your more recent projects like for instance you just launched the the trailer for sasha's game what like two three weeks ago now you're probably right i think it was like two i don't even remember everything's just happening so fast and so slow at the same time but um yeah i think two ish three weeks ago i don't know and no i idea. I gotta say, like, it looks absolutely incredible. And I do want to, I do want to sort of talk about that process because I remember, I think when you were just in the process of doing like pre pre-production for Sasha's game, you were telling me about it. What was that journey like going from, this was just a story you wanted to tell and an idea to now it's like in, in the deep end of post-production. Yeah, I think I'm not very good at just coming up with an idea and not touching it. It's a beauty and a curse because you don't give yourself enough time to develop it and really consider. This, not a, not a regret at all, but just in general with projects is you find a project or you write a project and some people just sit there for a year and they edit and they edit. And I can't. I write it and within two months I'm in pre-production. Like I just, I jump the gun a little fast every time. But um, yeah, no, it's it was really cool. I think... Everything talking about mental health, it was um, it came at a inconvenient time. But I think when a good opportunity comes at an inconvenient time, you have to make the sacrifice. It's not always the right sacrifice, but you have to make a choice. And I was just finishing up another project and 
like I went straight from my grad film straight to full-time work straight to another project and then as I was on that project the author of that book because it's a true story based on memoirs of her family she found me in a magazine and was contacting me while I was on another film shoot um and she wanted quite a fast turnaround so um so I was pretty much writing Sasha's game while I was on the other shoot and it was just so chaotic and then within a month or two I was already in pre-production everything happened extremely fast so um yeah I think production happened really fast and it was quite a complex shoot and it started as a really simple idea this is what happens with me is it starts like I'm not going to stress myself out I'm not going to do what I normally do it's going to be a one scene thing it's a one scene proof of concept and then I go no but I like I like scale and I like the grandness and I'm like oh why do I do that to myself why don't I just keep it <laughs> so yeah no regrets though like I like I still back the way I went about it but I just think I really didn't need to make it so complicated <laughs> yeah and I suppose when it comes to production is I don't know what it was like for Sasha's game but I think now that we've got you know we're on a podcast where a director and an actor are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Let's dive a little bit into the stress of actually casting. To be honest, for anybody on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. if you don't know what a stressful process it is to cast a project, yeah, totally. um, it is a monster of itself. Especially yeah. if you've got not one, not two, but let's say four five different people for one role you're actually interested in having and you've got to whittle that down like it is it is incredibly incredibly difficult but what was what was the casting process like for sasha's game um hard it was i think it was really hard because um it was i feel like it was the first film where covid was like like i think halfway through filming no, toward the end of filming, COVID was declared not a threat anymore. So, like, COVID was still prevalent. Like, we still had someone have COVID and pull that out. Like, it was still very much there, um, at least in Australia. But, like, America just pretended it didn't exist and kept moving. <laughs> <laughs> it existed here. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, it was really hard because we were casting pretty much online through Showcast. Do you guys have Showcast? And, yeah, that's... Uh- I, if we do, I'm not sure what regions it's in. As far as I know, the main ones, at least for the area I'm in, it's casting networks and actors access. And I think LA casting would probably be the equivalent for Los Angeles. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I think show cast is mostly for agents representing their actors, but yeah, I was just interested, but yeah. So I went through that and star now. Cause I'm like, it's just easier when I find it easier when actors manage themselves and they're not represented. Um, I do love obviously working with management, but it is usually more difficult and more negotiation and just generally a bit harder. Um, so yeah, look, it was, it was really difficult. We had like three to four really solid, like like auditions for Larissa's character which is the mum and at like it was very difficult and at the end like honestly we had strong performances for everyone but for the little boy it was he's too young and can he represent a five-year age gap like you know like because there's no point recasting for five years it's only worth recasting for 10 so like can they do the broad five years and their voice shouldn't have cracked and like because they had to be prepubescent and 
like you know and then do they look androgynous enough to get away with performing as a girl when they're a boy and so it's so complicated and then the mum had to look like the boy so then we had to cast the mum so it came down to two of who looks the most like the boy and can get away with the casting and then we had to do chemistry tests um and then we had to just I couldn't decide to be honest for the mum I just gave it to the author and I said who reminds you of your grandma and she made the final decision I'm like I can't (laughs) can't do it I'm like I'm torn so yeah casting's really difficult but also really inspiring because I think for me it was the first time hearing my script out loud and like unfortunately I didn't have the luxury of doing a table read with crew and them doing it for me so I think seeing um we had Christopher Patson Gill who's a phenomenal actor he played the soldier which is not an easy role and he's such a nice friendly guy and he just played this intimidating menacing and he was just phenomenal but I remember in his audition the way he staged himself in it I rewrote the entire scene to stage it the way he did it I'm like that's it that's the staging I'm like you've nailed it no one else can do this role so yeah I think it's an inspiring but very difficult process when you don't want to make the actors feel incompetent and let them down when they're excited about it and sometimes it's not that they didn't do a good job it's just circumstantial they didn't look like they were supposed to be a family and they have to be a family it's sometimes just as simple as that. There's a whole, production, pre-production and post. It's it's a monster. It's it's an absolute monster. Now, you I have as you know dabbled with directing a couple yes. of times. I I'm going to be honest. I I am happy there are people like you out there who love it cuz <laughs> I've done it for a few years and I'm glad I decided to take a break because it yeah. was thoroughly thoroughly exhausting but speaking of directing i sort of want to get into more the the meat and potatoes of this whole situation obviously there was that journey and evolution of what you were thought you were passionate about and then what you found you really really Mm. wanted to do and what you've solidified yourself in doing was there a project that either you directed or you were a part of that above and beyond the the sort of precursor of you falling in love with directing it it was such a a revelatory experience that you said yes this is for sure what i know i need to be doing um that's an interesting question i don't know if there was like a light bulb moment i think it came really natural which is super strange because it's not like i can say i ever was in a position of leadership at school and it's not like i ever loved it like attention in the way that we all love attention, but we don't love attention in the way that like, um, I don't know. I just like, I obviously get like stage fright, like, you know, like, so I just never thought it's the kind of attention I would intentionally want to receive. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like when it sounds really bad to say, but when people aren't great leaders and you know, you can do a better job than them, you just kind of step up. And even if it's like a little bit scary, you just kind of, you're like, Oh, well, why are they doing it like this? I could do it like that. And then I just, I don't know. I just, understood the way I wanted to tell stories and I just understood my vision and I felt like I'm incredibly organized and I don't know I just I honestly I feel like I just fell into it and there was no real doubt and tear and should I and shouldn't I it was just I wasn't and then I was it was just the weirdest (laughs) there's no awesome story it was literally just I saw other people I felt like weren't communicating their ideas effectively or the execution wasn't working and I just had ideas and I was like I'm gonna do it and then I I just did. It's not it's not like a crazy story, unfortunately. 
I mean, I think that's perfectly fine. And as the record has shown, your work ethic and what you've been able to achieve, even without like a super light bulb moment, has been pretty spectacular, to say the very, very least. And I think this would be... I think this would be a good time to sort of circle back to to something we were talking about the fo- before, and that's the fact that you and I work ourselves into the ground a good portion of the time. Yeah, and this definitely is where we need to talk about mental health because, mm-hmm. guys, yeah. for for everybody listening out there who doesn't know, when you drive yourself to work on things because you want to achieve something great down the road, yeah. I can't speak for Lexi, but I know at least for myself, there have definitely been some points where um, to say I hated myself would probably be the lightest way to put it, (laughs) but you just keep going. I'm, I'm sort of curious what your, when you got started in to now, what your mental health journey has been like while you've been in this industry. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like you're expecting a really like inspiring like it was bad now it's great I feel like oh, it goes no. the other way around <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> because I think like I always say to people like film is not a job it's not a nine to five you don't clock off it's a lifestyle and because it's a lifestyle and because our job is so grueling and like all immersing it's actually really hard to clock off and you can't really clock off so I find it the more passionate and into it I get the more isolating I find it becomes which sounds really sad and I think that is the burden of being an artist um and that's you know the payout for what we provide and give to the world and the luxury of telling what we want to tell and influencing but I think because it is such a specific thing that we do and you're living so many journeys of other people that you've never stepped into their shoes your mind is just clocking and clocking and clocking And it just doesn't stop. So I think you can burn yourself out purely by doing nothing but thinking. Like that's 100% a burnout. Just even for you, I'm sure, just developing a character in your head and just burning out. Like without even acting it, you can just burn out. Like just your brain can go into overdrive and you're like, I can't socialize. I'm tired. So then it becomes isolating with your friends because you're tired, but they don't understand why you're tired because they, they feel like you didn't work that much. And you're like, no, you have no idea. My brain is never stopped. Even at night, I personally find it really hard to sleep. Like until, like I, I actually can't sleep. There's no until. I can't sleep. Like I find it really difficult. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to it. I think in saying that it's isolating, I think our job is also extremely social. When it is social, it's extremely social. And it's all about networking and meeting and talking So I think in some way, because it's a burden that all of us carry, it gives us a commonality where we feel comforted by that community. So I think it's a double-edged sword. Like I think the people you grow up with will never understand. And I I actually read this really cool. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Um, No, it's fine. That's what this is for. (laughs) Um, I read something that Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix said, and it it just, I never thought it would resonate with me. And I, I just couldn't believe how much it resonated. And maybe you relate. But I think Joaquin said that he hates it when people tell him that they've seen his film. He'd rather not know it all because he says whatever their reaction is going to be, it's going to be underwhelming and completely just like he's like, whatever they say is never going to validate what I want to hear and how intense the entire experience in pre-production, production, production, everything is that them saying, wow, is just never going to be good enough. 
She's like, I'd rather just not know and not have to deal with it. And I think I never quite thought I'd ever feel that way until Sasha's game, which I feel like I really put everything into. And then I think also because people now watch things less intentionally, like cinema's coming back, thank God for Barbenheimer and Talk to Me and all of those because that's great that they're getting so much and Top Gun and and I'm so glad they all brought back cinema because it's essential that we do watch things with intention because I think everyone's mindlessly consuming so much content that they're less impressionable and they just things just flow over them. So they watch things, they go, yeah, yeah. And they don't go, wow, that was unbelievable. Like, because they didn't pay for it. They like, it's not like something they've been looking forward to. They can just switch Netflix and forget what they watched two days ago. So I think that's unfortunately the burden of the streaming world is that people are watching things less intentionally. So people are less impressed by what you put out because there's so much crap content out there and they're consuming so much of whatever they're watching. So I think that's something new that I've discovered that, the more work I put into it, the more underwhelmed I become by people's response, which also then drives you to overcompensate with your own confidence and self-reassurance, which then burns you out because you're running off way too much serotonin. And then when you drop, you drop. And we're also dealing with egos. So then you need to be more confident than everyone and walk into the room, take up space. And that's also an entirely different, difficult conversation. So yeah, I think mental health is an enormous part of our industry. And I don't think it's not spoken about, but I think it's an over-glamorized industry and people only see red carpets and they don't see the sleepless nights and they don't see the exhaustion and they don't see us scrolling and reading feedback and, you know, they don't see all that. They see glamour and money and that's not it. It comes with a heavy burden. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I'm all of those points you just made are so good. I'm going to stay on them for a little bit because one yep. thing, all of the conversations we've had, I remember at least the, the first couple when we started, uh, when we officially met each other is, is just that the fact that it's all of the glamour of Hollywood and, and nobody really understanding how much real blood, sweat and tears it goes into this industry. I try to, to call my friends and family down, but I feel as though I am in like a perpetual state of burnout. But at the end of the day, yeah. you never really get rid of it. You just find ways to cope with it. And that's yeah, you're right. honestly how this industry works. And I, also agree with you when it comes to when it comes to the quote of from Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix. It's just for me, and it really hit home for uh, when we filmed One for the Road this past March. Because for those of you who don't know, I've talked about One for the Road here, but when we were in pre-production to production to post, I was keeping Lexi updated about the entire thing. And there was a full year of of preparation on the acting side. And I know for a fact that when the film comes out, no matter what anybody says, it's just not going to be good enough. Kind of probably like what you were saying with Sasha's game, because we do pour so much of who we are and our being and our hearts and soul into it that what we want to hear probably doesn't exist in any kind of formatted words. Yeah, agree. No, that's uh, you know what? That's completely correct. I actually think you're right. There's no words that will do it justice. It has to be a reaction. The kind of thing you want is something that just leaves people silenced, where they can't say anything. 
And also, I I reflect with if I'm going to bring up one of my favorite quotes is is uh, I was reading uh, Bob Odenkirk's uh, autobiography a couple of months back, and one of the things that he said was he went to he went to Brian Cranston before he led Better Call Saul, and the thing that Brian Cranston told him is that when he's leading a show, he does what he can to be prepared Monday through Friday, and then when he gets home, he brings work with him and. Bob Odenkirk's like, so you never stop working. He's like, yeah, I love it so much that I just don't. And that's that's sort of where we're both at. It's the fact, even if we're not looking at paperwork or planning or planning for shoots or planning for auditions, every our minds are still buzzing at like 3,000 miles an hour for the next thing that's going to come up. Yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah, it doesn't, it's not a clock off kind of industry. It's not. So if that's what people are after, this is definitely not the right industry at all. Like unless you want to be an like on-set runner or like something that is applicable to only on-set, like because that's an easy clock off. But I also think like it's extreme heartbreak being in this industry in so many ways. But I think you build a family-like relationship. You live on top of each other. You sleep on beds. You play Uno. You laugh you fall you break hands like there's just so much happening and then you go from being best 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 friends to literally not seeing them for maybe a year or maybe again depending on circumstance and I just think it's so bizarre like how close you can be and then to have that ripped away I think for a lot of people starting out that's probably very very confronting and I think for our little actor who was it was his first proper like film role um, yeah, I think that was very confronting for him. I don't think he realized just because I try to warn young actors that like it's really fun while it lasts, but just, you know, like prepare yourself because these people don't follow you out of this production. Like they go back to their lives. Um, yeah, and I I feel like he was heartbroken. I think it's hard not to be heartbroken. Like everyone gets it at least their first time. You bring up the point of family and I think it's such an excellent such an excellent point because when you work on a production or multiple productions with the same people, you can not work or see or speak with them for a couple of years. And as soon as they either drop you a line to say hello, or they're like, Hey, so I got this production and I want you to be a part of it. It's Mm -hmm. almost like you will are willing to drop everything and go and do whatever they need, because that's, even though you've been separated film builds bonds. Like, I guess it's like anything in, in storytelling, you get close with people. You may not speak or see for them in a long time, but they never leave you. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Definitely. The other thing about uh, this industry, which you already brought up partially, but I think we've discussed this before, losing people that you think are close because of either misunderstandings or you just grow out of them and everything else, that that is also something that really comes with the territory. And unfortunately, uh, it is something that you definitely have to get used to. There will always be people that will stick by your side no matter what. When you're on a trajectory of of growth, like both me and Lexi are in terms of where we want to go, you lose people and it's sad. But the nice thing is, is that those people also never leave you. So if they do ever want to see you again, most of the time, if it wasn't like a tragic life destroying thing, Mm -hmm. you're more than willing to see if they're okay. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think it is hard and a lot of our industry is about not burning bridges and it is a small industry whether we like to admit it or not. It's at least in Australia, even in the US, to be honest, I know so many people now in the US that all know each other and I don't, I didn't know they all know each other. It's just, it's quite tight. So yeah, yeah, you need to watch yourself, but you want to be authentic and yeah, it's, it's a lot to manage and you don't want to burn bridges, but you want to be close with people and to be close, you have to be vulnerable. But when you're vulnerable, you, you're more <laughs> like prone to getting hurt. There's just, there's a lot to it, but I think it's most people in this industry are in it for the right reasons. I'd like to think. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's also obviously a lot of jealousy, which I'm sure you find in that acting world a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, uh, yeah, like the pet, the past few years have been, have been really, really interesting in terms of either misunderstandings or outgrowing people or, or just leaving people behind. I know one thing I love, I love everybody that I grew up in, in Maine with, but mm. the fact of the matter is, is that I know that in terms of this industry and this career, staying in a little town in Maine or a little state like Maine, I, as much as they want to build it up, I can't, I can't wait for a career to build in, in 10 years while staying in the same spot. It's, yeah. it's all about trajectory and growth. And I, I am interested to hear if you're willing to share what you find the most difficult part, at least for you, of being in this industry is. There's so much that's difficult. Um, burnout's probably the worst of it. And the fact that like most, you know what, there's there's a lot, but I'll say this is I think because it is such an expensive industry and it is time consuming and it is a burnout, people have to work side jobs. And like for me, I work two to three side jobs at a time on top of film. So I don't get weekends and I don't get nights free. And then yeah. on top of not getting nights free, your brain is still clocking at night, like when you're meant to be sleeping. So I think you burn out really fast. And I think all, I'm sure this is for a lot of people. I mean, some people don't like to invest in their own films, which I personally think is a bad show of their own belief, to be quite honest. But I finance at least half of every project I do, which is, for Sasha's game was $30,000. And um, I find that for the last three-ish years, since I've been like properly working, I've not had any money of that to myself. Every single cent I've earned has gone to paying other people's salaries or paying props or paying locations. And last, I think it was two weeks ago, it was the most bizarre thing. A paycheck came in and I had nowhere to put it. And I was literally, it was, it's been three years of not having money for myself and it was just the most bizarre concept that I had this money sitting in my account. I was like, who do I need to pay? And I looked, I'm like, well, none of it's urgent. Most of it can wait. Like now I've got to start paying people again. But I was like, this is so weird. Like I can buy clothes. I can take myself out for a dinner. I can get a massage. I'm like, I can't believe I've been working three years and I get paid to do it. Because you start to think that you're doing it for free. You start to think that you're just not really earning anything at all. And you're just working a hell of a lot. And you forget that you're doing it and you're getting paid because you're just never spending it on yourself. So I think that was tough for the past three years. And then it's tough to see that money and go, oh my God, like all my friends are saving for apartments and houses and they've got $50,000, $80,000 in their account now and they're looking to buy. And I'm like, and I've definitely made more money than that, but all of it's in my film projects. But I think it's just important to acknowledge that's a different kind of investment and it's a long-term investment and it's an investment in yourself. And you just need to remind yourself that you're worth the investment um, and that you also appreciate and value. So I think that's important to remember. 
I do think it's super important. And I think it is very admirable for you to for you to bring up the fact that you invest money into your crew and the productions and you make sure that people get paid. You mentioned investing back into your films. And I think that's another thing that it's another reason why people who get in this industry it's like the dropout rate starts really heavily heavily after five years and it's because when you get into this industry a good portion of the time you don't really take a lot home because whether you're an actor or a cinematographer and a dp or your director you're reinvesting into your business constantly so you can keep doing it the thing that i find interesting though is that with stories like like that the fact because you are so hardworking, being that hardworking and keep doing it and keep reinvesting into your business you've still been able to to keep doing it and now you've even though that money will eventually be reinvested into your business again you did get paid for the work that you've put forth and that is it's a testament of of it's a testament of like everything which is really nice yeah, but I mean, important to note though that the money I'm getting is from my side jobs, not from film. So yeah. I mean, it's it's just a bizarre concept, really. But yeah, it's I honestly think it's worth it. Um, and I'm glad I started as young as I did, because I see some people that are starting and they're like starting to like create their own films in their mid twenties, late twenties. I'm like doing that while you're trying to build a life and build stability and potentially start a family and own a property that that's like the worst time to be doing yeah. it you know your early 20s and late teens are the time to really take those leaps and chase your dreams and like I've got a friend that really truly believes that money is in flux and you can just make it back I'm, I'm a little bit less of that mentality like I wish I was that mentality and very much like but I could have been at 100,000 by now but I'm kind of like but I like I just try to remind myself it's an investment um in myself but I think the younger you start, the better because yeah. I think it is about experience. And by the time you're five, six years in and you've passed, as you said, the dropout threshold, um, I think it's important to get somewhere you want to be by the time you need to be stable. Like you want to at least have some stability in an unstable career, yeah. <laughs> which is a bizarre concept. Like you want a name for yourself that you will start getting hired and you will start getting um, financial investment in projects so that by the time you're trying to start a family and look for a place or whatever it is, or you move out of home or whatever, you've got the ability to do that um, because you've grinded in your earlier teens and whatever. So that's my perspective on it. But I, and I, I agree. It's like, once again, uh, it's something that we do relate on. The fact of the matter is, is that both of us as of right now are, in the career phase of, of our lives. And we're not necessarily, we're not looking to settle down or start a family or or like go deep into that end of life at the moment. And Mm -hmm. while there are some people who have the ability to do that, like more power to them, it's like for you and me, it's because I think we have talked about this before the, our aspirations and where we want to get to, is not is not simply just being able to work in this industry it's yeah. to be able to to actually make a difference yeah and that's yeah i agree 
I think that's what makes it hard is our we burn ourselves out because our aspiration is a legacy and a lot of other people's aspiration is money and yeah. ours is just not that. So I think it does put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it does make you think a lot deeper about things because our entire time being alive is essentially about worrying about what we leave behind, which I think is also an interesting conversation in itself. With that being said, you saying that is is interesting to me because it makes me think when we both have time again and we're not so crazy busy, we will probably have to do a part two of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> but I will say we are coming close to the end of the show. So and first of all, thank you for everything that you've said so far. I do think it's it's really important. And I think that this sort of discussion we didn't go too deep into it because you go into the talking about the business side of this industry mm -hmm. you could talk about it for five hours yeah. from top to bottom mm -hmm. but everything you did say i think is very important and i think for those interested in getting into this industry it is extra important but before we leave off i do want to turn the table over to you and let you either promote whatever you want to or if you have any questions you want to ask that's fine too basically anything and everything that you want to say before we wrap up the show the table's yours i'm gonna flip it to you i feel like uh, there's no real point promoting i guess where do you want to be and what's the kind of legacy you're looking to leave behind and are you doing it for legacy are you or are you doing it to represent other stories like what's and, your reason it's interesting because Obviously, you, you get on this path and there is that evolution of your thought process. For me, originally, and I guess up until this point, it's still part of me of telling stories, telling stories that that make a difference. But I had something happen recently that that really changed my perspective on things. And it's my niece, my 10 year old niece, who. I didn't really know at the time has seriously looked up to me and everything that I've been doing for the, like basically since she was born and she's, she's beginning to train to competitively ride horses. And I was talking with her and my sister the other day. And she told me that one of the big inspirations for why she's doing what she's doing is because she looks up to me. That's so, great. so for my, for the sake of my, family and not only wanting to provide a life for them, but provide an example to my niece to basically say, no matter how high the ceiling is, you can always reach it. That is now a part of what I'm doing, but not just for her, but for so, so many other people out there is just, it all comes down to what I've always been in this for is making a difference. And in terms of my trajectory of of where i am headed i guess the the simplest way to put it is that my buddy zach had me put together a six-month plan for for uh until the end of this year mm -hmm. and a lot of the stuff i had put down there to happen in the next three months have happened in the last four weeks so well, uh, so it's so i guess that's the thing it's just and that's the thing with uh, what we were talking about burnout, the surefire way you can be sure that you make it is that on days where you're, you're really just not feeling it. Even if you don't do big things, doing the little things that help keep pushing you forward. Yeah, completely agree. 
yeah, so I guess yeah. that's really sweet about your niece though it's cute it's nice to feel the you know the grassroots impacts like at such an early stage you know and feel like even if things don't eventuate to where we want to go as fast as we want to go it's nice to know that it's helping someone yeah. like immediately which is great I know for a fact I should have picked up on it more, but my niece has literally been, when I was back in Maine, been to every single theatrical performance that I did on stage. Oh. And she always asked if any of the movies that I did she could watch. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> the answer is still no. But well, that's still really sweet. Like the fact that she's showing an interest when so much of, I don't know about your family and friends, but I feel like they don't believe it's like a real career. So I think it's nice when you've got someone that's really backing you 100, even if it is, you know, just a little person that's growing up and being inspired by what they see in front of them. To be honest, the idea of of beating things down because it seems like an impossible career choice, it's still going on for whatever reason. Yeah, of course. Like, I don't think it ever really stops because like any any other career would be easier than what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a permanent thing we fight ourselves on. But as long as we remind ourselves of like our why, I think we'll stay in it. <laughs> but I will say before we wrap this up, just again, thank you so much for your time, Lexi. And thank you so much for everything that you've said on on the show today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was good to get to like chat like this again. Yeah. Find time in our strange time zones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, for everybody that doesn't know, and if they couldn't already tell from the accent, <laughs> where are you from, Lexi? Where are you calling in Australia. And when I woke up, if I look like crap and I was tired, it's because it was like <laughs> too early for me. <laughs> but I'm awake now. It's good. <laughs> it's true. But once again, thank you so much for your time. And now, thank you for everybody for tuning in to the Actors and Emotions podcast. I certainly hope anything that we said here today you can take with you on your own mental health journey as you move through life. My name is Cody Alexander Curtis, and I'll see you next time.